There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Hello everybody and welcome and today is a really special episode because this is not only the Chakra Way Meditation podcast but it's also the D- Divine Messy Human podcast with Amanda Kate and I've um, met, I've interviewed Amanda Kate before because she's a kinesiologist in Australia, an awesome kinesiologist who I have been working with actually since I met her because she's that awesome And um, I wanted to talk to her because I had a question from a listener about friendship and about how to deal with the energetics behind when a friend kind of disappears, I suppose, a ghosting of a friend. So Amanda, I think, is the perfect person because she covers, you know, she just has an angle on everything and I love her. So hello, Amanda. Hello, thank you so much. I was really chuffed that you reached out and asked me and I figured it would be something that my listeners would be really interested in as well. So yeah, I suggested that we do it as a bit of a joint project because it'll be a fascinating conversation. I've certainly had lots of experience of this. So, I mean, I think, you know, in terms of relationships, the the focus is always on the romantic, you know, on the partnership, the one-to-one relationships that we have. But actually, the as women especially, the friendships that really sustain us are our girlfriends, are our friend friends. And um, for me, they, you know, that is a, such an important part of my life, having my friends, you know, and I think we all have, we all have certain types of friends. We have the friends who we can say absolutely anything to. We can be shock and awe. We can, you know, say absolutely anything. Um, And those are probably fairly few and far between. So we maybe have like two to five, six, most probably of those type of friends. And then we have the people who we go, oh, hi, how are you? Nice to see you. And you ask about their kids and what they're doing and when they've been on holiday. And it's been nice. You like them, but you're not going to tell them that you've been desperately unhappy for whatever reason or, so you know, really deeply personal stuff. Um, So there's this level of friendship, but it is very important, I think, to to recognize that when those kind of friendships break down, it is as painful, if not more painful than when you lose a lover or a partner. And I think it's interesting you you mentioning that because the one-to-one relationship, those romantic relationships, we talk about going to counselling, we talk about how to fix the issues, how to navigate those problems, but we don't talk about it with friendships. There are no rules of engagement. And again, you know, yes, we've got the word acquaintance, but somebody who you know quite well, you don't want to call an acquaintance. But there's Mm. not many names for friendship. There's not many different labels for friendship. And I, I sometimes find that that can limit us as well, that, that languaging, because your best friend, 
it's very it's different kind of a childish from... label isn't it really you know it's like oh, you're my best friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, like... it's very schoolyard <laughs> do you yeah. remember those little necklaces that used to have like best friend written on and you'd have b fry and street end or whatever it was <laughs> you'd break I them was... and you'd wear half and they'd wear half <laughs> I never had any of those. Nobody ever gave me one, but oh, yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> I had one in primary school. But again, it's interesting that you mention it because right through school, I was the best friend that everybody had when they had a falling out with their best friend. And it just so happened that people fell out often enough that I always had a best friend. It just was changing depending on the season. And the second they made up with their best friend, I was left in the dust. It happened time and time and time again. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, my boundaries were all over the place, all over the place. I either didn't share enough or I overshared or whatever it was. I I just assumed that friends were what, you know, what you talked about at the beginning. You tell everything to, you talk about, you, you know, open up to. And I know sometimes that's what dri- what's driven people away because they're like, well, she's opening up about all this stuff. Hang on, I wanted this level friendship and she's giving me this level friendship. Or, yeah. and, but because I wasn't very good at reading people and I doubted myself and all of that, I'd either overshare or not share enough or I'd overtalk or not talk enough. And part of that also came from my mum constantly saying to me, oh, shut up, Amanda, you talk too much because I'd been quiet for too long. And so I was like, well, we just need things to talk about. We can't have silence. And that also trained me that if there was silence, we had to fill it with something rather than previously I'd be quite happy sitting in silence. And I think that's one of the beautiful things I've gotten back is I'm happy to be with someone and we fall into that easy silence and it is easy now. But again, then through my adult life, I moved around so much. You know, I left all of my school friends to go to the UK. Um, and then it was a transient traveler community and everybody would leave and then I'd make new friends and then everybody would leave and so on and so yeah. forth until I had children. And then I had two really, really, really close friends, like just incredible, incredible friendships who I still um I would still consider myself close to, especially one of them, just absolute soul sister. Um, And as soon as I can afford a trip to the UK, I'll be going to see her, um, (laughs) which will be way too long. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because those friendships that you make, um, you know, as you go through life, you make friendships that are convenient to where you are within your life. You know, when you're a kid, when you're a little girl, let's say, because we're talking really, you know, I, we can't really talk about male friendship because I no. think that's a whole different situation. <laughs> we don't, can't even begin to understand. No. But, you know, we trial out those friendships, you know, in the schoolyard. It's all like, will you be my best friend? And then it's, yes, I'll be your best friend. And then you walk around going, we're best friends. Yeah. And then you go, oh, I don't know, something banal, nothing happens. You go, I don't want to be friends anymore. And like you say, you know, you split up. And for me, I've always looked at that as being the kind of trial run for relationships Mm. that girls do. And girls do that in a sense to kind of, um, you know, people often say that girls are more emotionally mature by the time they get to puberty, Mm. emotionally mature, because they've gone through these trial relationships time and time again, you know, breaking up, getting back together, finding new friendships, all of that kind of thing. And then as you get into your teenage years, you kind of, um, you fall into the group that you think you want to belong to, you know, like, I'm going to be a goth, so I'm going to go and hang out with all the goth people, or you know, I want to be hanging out with the cool kids. So I'm going to go and start smoking and be around the back of the bike shed kind of vibes. And it's not necessarily that those people are the people that you have a spiritual or, you know, a, an emotional connection with. They're just the people who happen to be doing the same things that you're doing at that time. Yeah. It can result in fantastic friendships, I think. But as you grow older, and I think, you know, when I look back at my friendships, the friendships that are the most long lasting are the ones that I have made when I reached um, motherhood. Mm. 
So I'm thinking about specifically friends that I made. There's a thing in the UK, I don't know if it's anywhere else, called the NCT, where it's the National Childbirth Trust. And you go along and somebody tells you, you know, how to breastfeed and da, 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 all that kind of stuff. And you you hang out with this group of women who just randomly get stuff together. And you live in the same area of the same town and you end up going for coffee and you end up having your babies around the same time. And so then you're all going through exactly this massive transformational thing in your life at the same time. And you can compare notes and it's incredibly bonding. Oh, that that group saved me (laughs) when I was in my early days. Yeah. Over here, I think it's the maternal and child health nurse or something like that, NCH groups. But yeah, very similar. But I went through the NCT because I was in the UK at the time. And it was amazing. But all of mine, again, you know, this is what I welcomed into my life. All of them then went back closer to their families. And so that group that started in this local area, there were only a few of us left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But amazing, amazing so, friendships. One of those friendships, she lived local, like we were like a couple of streets apart in London. And so every day we'd be on the phone and we'd be like, right, let's meet at the park. And you go to the park and the kids would do whatever the kids were going to do. And you'd sit on a bench and you'd talk about whatever was going on in your life and, you know, whatever little little so-and-so was up to and you know and then that tea time was like oh you know should I come around to you for fish fingers or are you going to come around for me for fish fingers you know like this it was incredibly special Mm. and when that friend moved she moved to Wales to look after her parents it was like it was like heartbreak I remember walking down the road feeling like I I, my heart had broken because Mm. she'd gone you know, yeah. we're still really good friends. We still really, t- we talk for hours on the phone, but I see her once every five years. And, yeah. but uh, that feeling of loss when she went was, was horrible. I felt all alone. Mm. You know, it was really yeah. sad. And you can't really explain that to anybody. You go, no, I'm heartbroken because my friends moved to Wales. You know? so, yeah. Isn't that interesting that we'll accept grieving a relationship loss but not a friendship loss and yet as you say some of those friendships I had exactly the same thing my closest girlfriend from the NCT we would walk if one of us could walk to the other person's house for coffee we won the day and so you know almost every day we'd get out I'd walk to her because it meant that we got dressed and we took the child you know out (laughs) of the house and we'd alternate like we'd just basically sit at each other's lounge room and then we'd go out for a little walk and then I'd walk her halfway home and then back and she'd walk all the way home (laughs) and it was great it was beautiful beautiful time but again she then went up north and yeah, it's so fascinating when you start looking at all of those friendships. In terms of your earlier friendships, how did they tend to work? You know, I've given you a little bit of an outline of mine. So I'm quite an old hand at this friends leaving thing. Um, but what were your friendships like through primary school, high school? Uni- I don't know if you went to uni, but that post high school phase. Well, really, you know, I look back on it with a bit of sadness, if I'm honest, because mm-hmm. I had I had a very good friend who I made at prime primary school and we hung out and we were best friends and we um we kept in touch we went to school in different areas of the country um for our sort of secondary school but we kept in touch and we saw each other during the holidays and all of that kind of thing and through university we were staying in touch and then when I left university we moved in together into a, a house um and I didn't like her boyfriend. Mm. I there was there was a disconnect, but you know she was completely devoted to him. I didn't like him being in our space. I didn't like him, and then I started going out with someone that she didn't like, and there was this like we just went our separate ways. And after what must have been at least a decade of really close friendship, you know, from I don't know, well, I'd probably know each other. We've known each other since we were like six or something, so more than that, like fifteen years. Mm we just kind of drifted apart and it was a drift. For, for me, the friendships that I didn't hang on to was never an explosive kind of, right, that's it, I'm done with you, I don't want to speak to you anymore. It was just a drifting apart. Mm. And I accept that in terms of the fact that people's lives change, 
people's priorities change, their relationships change. And, and so that's just the way it is. And I think it's only with hindsight that I look back and, and sort of grieve for those friendships mm. that I lost because they were adrift rather than a cutting off at the nose kind mm. of vibe. Mm. And that listener who, yeah. who wrote to me and said, you know, this friend has just completely cut me off. That is a really, that's not, that's not, actually ever happened to me mm. so that's why I wanted to reach out to you because I knew you'd have some kind of yeah. like when we're ghosted by a friend for no reason that we can understand how do we process that how do we deal with that I I'm not I'm not equipped to do that because I don't I've not experienced it yeah. um but energetically it is as painful as being dumped by a by a partner because you there's a certain level of trust that you have with your girlfriends yeah. that is it's a different kind of trust that you have with a partner because I think with a partner you're always a little bit like mm, you know because there's that frisson of you know the sexuality brings a whole different kind of element to it yeah. but with a friendship it's like don't get it don't understand why yeah. where how yeah absolutely and so often I mean I do think of that poem the reason season lifetime and there are friends who are here to teach us lessons. There are friends who are only going to be here for a season of our life. And then there are friends who are going to be there for the lifetime. Now, a lot of those friends for the lifetime, as I said, I got to whatever it was, 28 years old before I found a best friend that was actually a best friend that was, you know, a true soul sister of mine. And I was, how did I get to this age before I got a best friend, you know, realistically, I had pe plenty of people who I call best friend, but none of them stuck around. And, and again, it wasn't the explosive ending for any relationship. It was just, it was like a cut off and there was never any fights or arguments. It was just a, oh, they're not calling anymore. And they're not speaking to me at school anymore. Cause they're back with their best friend. I guess I better get on with it. And see who else I hang around with. <laughs> and I never really thought about it too often because I always had people to hang around. I was always on the edge of groups. Mm. And also because of the bullying, I was bullied quite severely in year nine. And this woman who bullied me or girl at the time, because of that, I'd gone from being in the centre of this group or what I thought was in the centre of that group to being shoved out of it. And so what I ended up doing was sort of hanging around the edge of different groups. So I'd sometimes yeah. go and play football with the guys on the Oval at lunchtime or I'd go and hang around with this group or I'd go and chat to these people or it was a little bit more fluid. And in that I was able to disguise, even to myself, the loneliness and that lack of connection because I never really then allowed myself to get back in the centre of a group because what had happened felt so painful and almost untrue. But at the same time, it, it then became my MO of, you know, I'm really good one-to-one -one friendships even now. Group friendships I'm quite not wary of, but I just don't get in the middle of the group. <laughs> Yeah. it's funny isn't it because it's exactly the same for me I don't have a gang of friends mm. like all my girlfriends that I have they're all kind of dotted around individually geographically and emotionally yeah. like where I, where I found them where I met them what you know the kind of relationships that we have they're all very special and unique in their own ways but they're but they're not a gang of and I've never been able to do the gang of and maybe that's um that's again, there's something that I've kind of, I've slightly mourned. It's like, why don't I have a gang of friends? Like people have gangs, you know? Yeah. And I think we all saw the dream when we watched Friends that, you know, <laughs> yeah. hang out in a, like a load of people. But, and some people do have that. Um, but yeah, I think the gang thing is very much a part of the school culture mm. that we had. And funnily enough, when you were speaking about that, it made me, made, what came up for me was actually around my, my school. So my senior school, I had lots of good friends. Again, I was on the outside. I was on the outside. I was never really, you know, and the best friend thing sort of switched and swatched around, whatever. Um, but 
they I know they all remain like really good friends you know they're all godmothers to each other's children mm. and so on and they hang out a lot and so on but I remember going to a kind of reunion-y type of thing where everybody was and I completely overshared I was like right you know I know you all I can tell you what's been going on in my life and I I, I told them every, everything and I could see them all kind of like reeling back going whoa that's a lot mm-hmm. and I never heard from any of them mm. after that and that I was like Do you know what fuck it I don't whatever fine I'm sorry I overshared it was just what I was going through at the time if you can't handle it and yeah. that I think is probably something that happens quite frequently that people do that I know when we were talking earlier you mentioned as well about oversharing and it's that judgment of like how much is the friendship ready for and I maybe that's, ready that's for the reason why somebody just yeah withdraws yeah yeah and is someone ready for my vulnerability that's what's coming up for in in my mind about it mm. yeah yeah that that's that's interesting keep going sorry it was it was just like oh wow yeah again even that word oversharing who decided it's oversharing I don't know you know I suppose if you come along and you say something really shocking that is not dinner party safe conversation keeping it light kind of vibes and you come in and you you know it's like coming in and like dumping a great big dead fish on the table and going here's dinner you know whereas you know rather than cooking it and dressing it all up nicely and going here's your lovely portion of beautiful you know it's it's like slapping the big dead animal on the on the table it's like whoa where did that come from why did you do that couldn't you go and you know just bring me a nice steak or you know whatever um I, I think it people don't feel ready to take on that um, that responsibility of nurturing you through what is obviously going to be a really tough time. Mm. And I think that's when you start to weed out the friendships that are actually there for you and the people who, and I think a lot of times with friendships also, when you're having your rant, you know, you just like mouthing off about whatever it is. And this is the same in any relationship, romantic or friendship. There's there's two modes. There's like, I want you to just listen to all my shit whilst I offload it. Just listen and go, uh-huh. And then there's the, this is an issue and I need to find a solution. I now need you to help me fix it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, when you lay them with a big old stinky thing, they go, God, I've got to fix that. Thank you. I've got enough stuff of my own to deal with. I don't need to be dealing with your stuff as well. And then they back away and they don't and understand that what you're doing is just offloading and you just want to be heard and understood. I don't and know. is that just, a problem in the way that we're raised and the way that society works is that we feel like we have to fix everything because that's the doing aspect rather than the feminine aspect, which is holding space for and listening with compassion. I can have friends dump on me and I'm not taking it on. Mm-hmm. Now that's taken years for me to get to. Otherwise, before I would have, you know, been in that space where I was reeling. But now I'm going, you know, <clears throat> I can hear them without it affecting me in terms of my energy i'll be there to support i will be there but again i've done a lot of work on the rescuing aspect and so many people go into rescuing or persecution because nobody really wants to sit in the victim and they see people in that victim mode and they either want to go up into the you know into the rescuer and and dive in and fix for them because it makes them feel superior or they want to go into persecution and you know what life's a competition guess what i just beat you (laughs) yeah it's true it's true you know and you don't know what yeah you don't know which which way people are going to take it so that's why it's i think when you have these when you have a friendship that does does just fall off the radar Mm. You know, there's there's always so much that you don't know about what's going on for somebody else as well. You know, somebody else might have dropped something in there. But when it comes to it in an energetic 
terms. You know, friendship is is in two places for me. It's mm. in the heart because this is our loving, our empathy, our compassion. Mm. Um, and and that's where we we find our support um, to give to other people in our hearts. But it, at a root level, which is the most fundamental, our foundations, it is that tribe. You know, have you got, has the tribe got your back? Have you yeah. got your support system around you? Mm. Which is essentially for us, you know, it's our friends is yeah. our support system. You know, we don't necessarily have our parents. We don't want to really, you know, not obviously our children, maybe our husbands or our partners or our wives, but those partners are often part of the problem. So yeah. <laughs> we need our girlfriends to, yeah. to help us through these things. So it's, um, yeah, it's that tribe, it's that village that's there for you, that you, that gives you that sense of it's okay. Everything can hit the fan and explode, but there'll be people there to, who'll help me pick up the pieces and they don't have to fix. They just have to just be there whilst I tidy up. Mm, yeah. And I think, again, when you talk about that root chakra, that's where we hold a lot of our abandonment and rejection wounds from childhood. And whether they're real or the ones that obviously we take on as real, it's we feel that and it will be activating and triggering things from early life, whether that be that, you know, according to Gabor Mate, for children who've been left controlled cried, you know, they have those rejection wounds. Well, I'm crying for food. I'm really hungry here. Nobody's coming. (laughs) You know, who's got my back type thing. Now, obviously, none of us meant to do that. That was the way we, again, we were told to parent. And it's really fascinating when you start to look at those sorts of aspects as well, that, you know, for us who are on the receiving end of those friendships that just get cut off with no explanation, it does trigger some of those wounds of abandonment and rejection. It makes us question, are we good enough? Are we worthy enough? Are we lovable enough? It questions those really big things. Now, at the end of a romantic relationship, we still have those feelings. The only difference I've found is often there's, whether it's a BS explanation or not, there's an explanation. They'll usually go, look, it's not working between us because, or I've been out having affairs, or I'm, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. Yeah. Well, you're this, you're that, you're the other. Whatever it is, there tends to be some form of explanation when you break up. Although these yeah. days people are now doing that via text and all sorts of things anyway. So sometimes you're not even getting that. Yeah. But I think more often than not, you can see the end of a romantic relationship coming. You can feel it crumbling. I certainly have with all of mine. There's been this, you know, downhill battle and it's just, okay, who's going to call it? type attitude whereas sometimes in friendships it is literally one day they're there and one day they're not and it is a death i think that's what we have to remember is in terms of the life and death cycle it is a death and we need to grieve and especially in our culture we don't want to grieve grief is only what you do when you're putting somebody in the ground but actually grief we are dealing with all the time in certain yeah. ways we are you know we've got to grieve the loss of that role of friend we've got to grieve yeah. the loss of the friendship we've got to grieve what it could have been we've i mean and also then you've got to look at why don't we have some rules of engagement for friendship <laughs> you know if somebody yeah, just leaves without a trace it's like well you know they're obviously not thinking about the person they're leaving they're not giving reasons or anything like that for their leave. They're just, okay, well, this has gotten too hard. I'm out. But that often then leaves the other person with nothing to work on. Unanswered questions and, mm-hmm. and the, all the sort of insecurity and the, and the worthiness, you know, that is sort of, yeah, I mean, it's tax you at every level, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, a member of your village, your tribe has walked out you know, you're like, well, obviously I'm not enough. That's mm. the sacred. Like you you feel powerless over the situation at yeah. your sacred, your solar plexus. You know, your heart is broken. Mm. You know, I find that we hold a lot of our self-worth in the throat. So you're like, 
you know, and you've been denied a voice, you've been denied that chance mm. to talk it out. Like even, you know, usually with an ex relate, you know, with a romantic relationship, you can send a whole lot of really angry texts going, you absolute, you know, or you've been given some kind of explanation. You can, you feel justified in going, what the hell? Yeah. You know, even if they ghost, ghosted you, be like, excuse me, but, you know, rude, can you please? Yeah. Um, but with a friendship, it's harder to chase that down and go, hello, what did I do wrong? Mm. Because that's a difficult thing. Because also, I think probably, I don't know, but it's usually the other, other person's stuff, mm. is it not? It's nothing to do with us. It's something that's happened in their life or in their, that's triggered them. There's nothing to do with you, mm. really. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think it's always to do with us and the other person. We may have mm-hmm. overshared, but actually what's oversharing? If we didn't have rules of engagement, then what is oversharing? And we don't often talk about that with friends until it's almost too late and you, oh, hang on, I've crossed a line that I didn't even know was there, which again, you know, that means that they've put a line in the sand that you've crossed and you don't always know where it is. But I think that's why perhaps we need some more discussion on friendships and more etiquette around it and who do you classify as those really really good friends I think there's so many questions that it does bring up but I think so much of it needs to come down to how we prioritize it in terms of grief as well in our life because that the mopping up of that pain that you feel you know, when your best girlfriend goes across the country or, you know, and it's that proximity is gone and the regularity of catching up is gone or when they've just completely disappeared overnight because it does leave a gaping hole. You know, I was mentioning to you a friendship that I had that was two years of really close friendship, texting back and forth multiple times, just... I studied with this person and there was one comment that they made towards the end of um, our friendship. And I said, sounds like you're breaking up with me. And literally I heard from them once or twice more and then it was ghosted completely. And it was painful Mm. and very lonely because they were my constant in in my life through that tumultuous time. And it was fascinating to witness myself as I went through it because there was a deep grief there was a deep loneliness there was this hang on I thought we'd because we did talk about our rules of engagement we did talk about where the boundaries were we did talk about some of those things and I often felt like I was really taking a risk being so open and vulnerable and also it was my practice ground for doing that and it was received beautifully until it wasn't. And it was so fascinating to just have it all of a sudden go from this really open, vulnerable relationship to nothing. And I think what we have to address is the grief and the loneliness. Yeah. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Absolutely. I mean, we are we are not good at um, 
expressing dealing with understanding grief you know even if it, even if it, even in its most obvious um terms we are not as a western society particularly good at dealing with it we have not got much education around it um people shy away from it they're scared of it they don't want to have anything to do with it they do what they think they need to do and then they run away going oh it's too hard i can't look at it it's too difficult i don't want to feel their pain you know and in a way that empathy is nice because you know people but, but it doesn't help the person who's grieving mm. um and so an open discussion around grief and you know with any luck if if you do lose a friend you have some other person that you can go to and say i'm feeling grieved because so and so has decided that they don't for whatever reason want to be close anymore mm. and you know Although having said that, I can understand I'm picturing that conversation with that person, you know, this fictional thing. And then you're actually stirring up more of an issue. It is a really, really tricky thing. But I think within yourself to recognize that it is grief and treat it as such within the heart um, space. And it with grief, there is that thing where you can't get over or under grief. You have to go through it. You have to just wade through the mire of grief and you have to feel it and you have to accept each horrible feeling because if you push it away it's still there you've still got to go through it so you've just got to work your way through it and feel those feelings mm. and express them and if you don't have somebody you can talk to you know write long letters to that person or um you know leave yourself long voice notes that you're never going to send or you know just just expunge it in some way it's a massive exercise in letting go is is my theory on this um and and accepting perhaps that you know everything comes to you and goes from you for a reason in this life and there's a what's your poem a time a reason, of reason lifetime yeah yeah and i think that's where i go to with it is these every single one of these people has taught me some valuable lessons and yes. <clears throat> My journey hasn't been an easy one, so I can understand why they didn't want to come on it with me. It was hard enough being the person, but I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be the support person in that. And I, I completely understand it. And so, but also, I couldn't see myself ever abandoning somebody in that space. Yeah. And again, I have, I have the capacity to do it. I mean, that's why I do the job that I do is to hold people when they're going through grief and trauma, when they're going through those things. I have a natural capacity to do that holding of people. And I think that comes from the fact that I never had anyone to hold me. And so I want to be that person for other people. But I think when you've got that closeness of people who are there to have your back, I've actually noticed in yoga over the last few weeks, more most people can get back on their heels much easier than I can I'm very forward because I've always had to move forward in life I've never it's never been safe for me to fall back on anybody and I notice it in my posture really that's fascinating. So when I'm in my malasana squash I yeah. am my knees are much further forward yesterday we were doing it um, against the bar and I was able to pull my legs back and it felt amazing but I knew if I let go of that support I would have fallen. <laughs> and so it's really interesting I even my physical body has taken that posture of not being able to go backwards and I do a lot of barefoot walking on the beach. So my, you know, my, like, I've got the flexibility there. Your Achilles are okay. Yes. It's bizarre. It's so strange. And it's only come in through the last month or two that I've actually noticed that it's a physical manifestation. Now. Yeah. And so I've now what I'm doing on the beach is I'm often almost leaning back as I'm walking to practice that feeling safe, leaning on people feeling safe metaphorically leaning on something yeah. and it's a it's just like I say it's it's very very fascinating but I wonder if you know we're not really taught empathy and compassion we are taught competition we are taught comparison we are taught power over and if you look at school you know you're taught to comply 
Yeah. Now, if somebody's going outside those, those parameters and being vulnerable and open and sharing their heart, a lot of people can't cope with that. And so when it comes to oversharing, I don't believe there is such a thing as oversharing. It is a bid for connection. Yeah, and of course. If we can't go and hear that and feel that and honour that, then it is our work that we need to do if that's what we're called to do. But I think often it's the person who's made that bid for connection that ends up the one who is flailing and left by the wayside because other people can't hold that vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think... You know, there's a certain level of, you know, and it's interesting as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, we're both as personalities quite empathic. And, mm. and so, you know, we're both uh, thinking our friendships are really valuable to us and we would do anything for our friends and we would be yeah. there for them. And we love it when people overshare with us because that means they're being vulnerable with us and we can then be vulnerable with them. And we're getting to the nub of the, you know, we're not, we're cutting out all the, the flim yeah. flam, all the small talk. I, yeah, no, I can't be, you know, can't be bothered with that. Let's, just, let's go deep. Yeah. Let's just go deep. And I think we're probably both quite like that. We like friends who just go straight into the no bullshit, like let's get real, you know, and I I have no time for small talk. I'm so bad. Take me to a drinks party. I'm like, someone ask me about my children again. I'm going to thump them. You know, like, yeah. you know what I mean? I like, I don't want to, you know, I've got no time for that kind of friendship. And so, you know, I think you and I have a, 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 an interesting perspective on this because we probably are oversharers. Oh. And I know that I probably am, but I, I've, if somebody can't handle that about me, then that's fine. You're not going to be. I have to say, I'm not anymore. It's really interesting. I didn't mean to let you in there. No, with no, me. no. It, but it, that, again, that's that learned behavior. I was after divorce, but now it's not that people have to jump through hoops to get close to me, but I have a natural are you that person or not? Because the pain of losing some of those friendships that I thought would have been lifelong friendships, the pain of that has affected me. And so, and also I am much more boundaried now in terms of who, who are those safe harbours for me to share that with. And it's an interesting place to be. Yes, I'm empathic. I, I would love people to be vulnerable, but it's almost like I'm waiting for others to take the first step rather than me doing it because I used yeah. to take the first step all the time and now I'm like, eh, come to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. no, that's probably a more empowered way of looking at it. And, I, you know, and you know, as, as per our more private discussions, I think you understand, you know, like when you're going through some messiness mm. in your life, you do you need you've got so much stuff to process that you're kind of just like trying to get that, oh, yeah. that everybody's getting about your fleet <laughs> so I but think that's a that, massive trauma response as well because yeah. I think when we go through those messy aspects we've been shoving everything down for so long so there is it's like we're trying to keep a lid on a volcano but little bits are going to come flying out And that was the stage where I did lose a lot of friends. But again, I argue that you can't lose true friends, that people could choose to leave you. But you don't, I think true friends stick around and they love the warts and all. Yeah. And I've got a few of those girlfriends now and they are phenomenal. They are proper warts and all friends. Pretty much everybody else I've let go by the wayside. And I think we've got to understand trauma in our society. And that's what we don't understand when people have been in negative situations for a long time, whatever that be, whether it be toxic friendships or toxic relationships or other hard stuff that comes through life. I think there is this element of we're trying to keep that stiff upper lip. We're trying to keep that socially acceptable, you know, external facade up. 
And eventually that bit crumbles because we've tried to shove so much down in us yeah. that there will be these things that <laughs> pop, pop up. Out. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Out. And it's There's through it. doing the work that we, we find healthier ways to express it and we we are able to go in and process some of it before we go out and share it and then we get some different perspectives on it. But it does take work and it does take time. I think time is a bigger one even than doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I think that we, you know, the people who come and go in our lives, I think if we look at all friendships, all relationships as little gifts of, you know, no one comes into your life by accident. Everybody's there to give you something, whether it's a little bit of a boost or a little bit of encouragement or a little bit of a there by the grace of God go I or, you know, whatever it is that they come into your life for. Um, you know, and they don't have to be your soulmate and or twin flame or whatever, because those don't have to be romantic type of friendships you know everybody who comes in you know and and when you recognize somebody when you meet somebody and you recognize them as as that thing that you you know there's that person you might have done another couple of lifetime past lifetimes with before or you know and you recognize them and you think oh here's a fantastic friend here's somebody who's going to be in my life forever because we just click and we're you know mm. we're soulmates we're twin flames you know we're we're sacred spirits or whatever and then it all goes wrong and you're like oh I messed it up no you didn't mess it up nothing happened that was not meant to happen I this is how I think I choose to believe it is that they came in they did what they meant to do for this mm. lifetime for this you know your experience and it's taught, taught you a big fat lesson and take it, learn from it and sail on by. Yeah. And I think it's really beautiful that you say that because I, I my brain was going back to that, you know, which bit's projection and which bit's us. But actually it can be both. They can be projecting their stuff onto us, but they're projecting it onto us again for that reason that we yes. have something to learn from it, that we need to then work out what our best way forward is with or without them, whether there is something to salvage or whether it is, you know, final nail in a coffin type thing or whether there is room for a discussion or whether there's not. And I think looking at the things that people project onto us, it's often things that we've dealt with in our life or are dealing with in our life or have experienced in our life or whatever else you know even when i think about you know the narcissistic abuse that i received in my relationship at the deep heart of narcissists is a deep insecurity that's and that was at the heart of me so of course you know i remember the last time i saw him and i saw the angry teenager protecting the hurt child well i can see that because it exists in me I just see it more clearly now because I've done so much work in that space. And it's really interesting, you know, even when I think back to some of the friendships that have ended, I can see why things turned out the way they did. I can understand why they left. I can, and also I still have that part of me that wished they'd stayed. And it's almost being able to hold multiple things as true at the same time. Their projections are their stuff that they've got to work on. And also what's the relevant part in there for me to take to make me a better person, maybe. Yeah. This is an ongoing thing of duality, isn't it? That two things that seemingly opposite ends of the spectrum can both be true. And it's really annoying to have to accept that that's the truth <laughs> because it is. And you have to accept that there's the there's these two opposite spectrums. I'm not even going to have examples, but they can both be existing at the same time. Oh, a lovely bit of existential dualism. It's just what we like, isn't it? I know. <laughs> I think also, you know, uh, they talk about that paradox 
And, you know, it is that having two things true at the same time. And I think it goes even further than that because it's multiple things being true at the same time. And when we're looking at that, you know, we can see how they were wrong. We can also see how we were wrong. We can also see how these things influenced it and we can hold them all together. One of the big things that I I use as that example, I can have love for my ex-husband as my my children's father, as a, a human being, as a soul in a human being, and also can have wrath for the shitty behaviors and the way I was treated and because I don't condone the behaviors. And I can hold those two quite comfortably these days together. And it feels comfortable in my body, whereas before, you know, the wrath was kind of winning. (laughs) That justified anger of whatever stopped me from getting to loving the soul in that human body who is here to teach me so many things. And I have to love that. How can I not? And so, and then there's all these other things that feed into that example as well. But if we can, if we can start to hold those things a little bit more gently and have them sit in the body at the same time. So for this example of the friendship, it's the grief that that friend has disappeared the uncertainty of what did I do? How did I contribute to this? What is my responsibility in it? What do I believe their responsibility is? Because again, we don't actually know what their responsibility is because we actually have no answers. We can have anger that they've left. We can feel abandoned. We can feel rejected. But none of these things are sitting in us on their own. And how can we be comfortable with all of these uncomfortable bedfellows I don't know I mean it's it's a a thing that that a very wise lady said to me once about all of these things when you have this so many different aspects is to hold it lightly And, Mm. and using that analogy I've used that so many times because it's so useful and especially in friendships and relationships you know, you think if if you hold on to somebody really tightly, what are they going to do? They're going to feel smothered, suffocated. Oh, let me out. I need more space. Let go. Got to get out of here. You know, and it's the same, you know, so that's a very easy way of understanding the, the holding it lightly thing. But when you hold it lightly, you can see it. You're not crushing it. You're not gripping, you know, just being able to see all around it and, understand that there are these multiple aspects like a die like a dice you know you can look at any different side and it's going to be a different number um pick a number any number it could be a number of things but you know to to understand it and then you know when for me this always comes back to you know well where are you feeling it in your body when you think of that person like you know when my friend moved to it was heartbreak I remember walking down the street going I feel like I'm you know, I've had my heart broken several times. I was like, oh my God, I actually feel heartbroken. You know, I actually felt it in my heart. But, you know, where do you feel it in your body? And then begin to process it from that when your friendships mm-hmm. sort of, yeah. when, you're, when you're dealing with this kind of stuff. Um, you know, and for Our you- Our body has so many answers for us. Oh, so many. Yeah. Mm. You know, sitting, mm. sitting with it, sitting- And just allowing it to be, because that's the first thing. As soon as we resist it and we hold it away from us, then we're in conflict with it and it's going to just come a little ugly. Let it come. Feel the feelings. Where is it sitting? Let it pass through. Breath, work, all of that stuff. But yeah, holding it lightly helps it to float away. (laughs) Helps Mm -hmm. that stuff just kind of find a little bit of levity and and lightness to be able to not feel heavy you know when you're gripping mm-hmm. something tightly it, it's exhausting yeah and I think one of those beautiful things that you said you know about feeling that heartbreak for example is I think also if we can ask ourselves the question is this you know just about that or is this activated by previous things so i will often ask myself when was the very first time i felt this feeling 
because often, you know, it might be a rejection or abandonment trauma from childhood, or it might be, you know, that it's bringing, it's activated and linked therefore to something else. So I think asking ourselves that question, if it's sitting in the base chakra, for example, if you're feeling that real brick, <laughs> you know, sitting there and you ask it, ask it questions, ask what is sitting in your body, those questions, almost like you're having a conversation. Yeah. Okay. I can feel this brick in my base. Okay. Is it just about what I'm going through now? And you'll get an answer. No. Okay. So when was the first time I felt it? Three. Okay. What was happening at three that created this brick in my, you know, and ask yourself questions. The first time I had that process done to me or a similar process was um, in kinesiology. And I use it all the time now. I do a version of it through food life coaching. I do, there's versions of it all through energy medicine. Okay, when was the first time I felt it? What did I need at that point? Or what was going on for me at that point? What did I need? And then imagine yourself parenting that inner child and and giving them some of those tools that that you may have needed to navigate it. You know, it might Seriously. have just been the back of the hug. It's such powerful work that and it's so important. It really is. It's magical. And I'm I'm here to tell you because I've been working with Amanda, so I know how effective it is and how powerful it is. But those asking yourself those questions, opening yourself up for that dialogue, um, you know, the, there's several different ways that you can go around mm. finding it to find that, but doing it physically and then you know doing you have to you have to involve all three bits of you if you like your mind body your spirit you have to use your physical body your astral body and then your causal body is going to start to come through with some you know because that's where your karmic imprints like we have these three bodies the astral body is where your energy flows and you know that's all good but beneath that that's where your samskaras your as your 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 karmic wounds if you like the things that you've forgotten from when you were three but they happened and they're still there that's where they all lie so it's really a it's a beautiful peeling back of the of the onion if you like to and you can do it on your own but it's so much nicer and easier to do it with somebody who knows how to do it so you will know where we are. Yeah. <laughs> Links to show and notes. I always mix that stuff with doing, I call it that internal scaffolding and external scaffolding. I always mix the um, changes I'm going through. Sorry, I've got a sneeze coming and I'm trying to stop it. Um, you know, the internal scaffolding is the, the writing that you suggested earlier, writing letters or recording voicemails or whatever it is. With the letters, I tend to burn them. I think it's because I'm an Aries and I love fire, but I do like to write and burn. And especially when I say a full moon. Pardon? Yes, a little pyromaniac. <laughs> safely in a pyrex bowl or in my fire pit or whatever but yeah. um especially at the full moon it can be a great time to do it or within 48 hours of a full moon just to write everything that you're feeling out and i used to take one of the cheap pads and i'd sit out with my fire and i would sometimes have my pen and be almost ripping the paper with the anger that i was letting out but it didn't matter because no one was going to see it no one was going to read it and then once I burned it, it was like, you know, take this from me. Let's transmute this into something else because fire is an incredible transmutation tool. People who like water will sometimes, you know, put the papers in water until they're a big soggy mess and you can't read them and then throw them out or whatever works for you, I think is, is beautiful. But the, the actual physical pen to paper is an incredible tool. So I love that you say that voicemails I do like, although I always get worried about electronics, which is why I like to go back to the pen and paper. Yeah, no, I do, what I do, I go, I, what I do, just give everyone my top tip. I go into the notes on my hmm. phone, the bit where you notes, and then there's a little bit at the bottom where you can press voice record and it translates it for you. So you can, it's not going anywhere. It's not in your WhatsApp yeah. or your messages. It's not about to be sent it translates it into and sometimes it can't hear what you're saying because you're going slightly crazy or whatever but it translates it into writing 
so you're pushing it from your voice into writing so it's a, a free flowing I always do this when I'm walking when I'm I'm trying to process stuff I say it out loud into my phone and then I read it back and go gosh what a lot of what a load of fantastically intelligent thoughts you've had or what a load of nonsense or that's actually really useful to to know what came out as I was in a state of flow as I was moving my body I was walking in nature you know as I was feeling purposefully grounded that's a really um so that's how I do it when I say voice notes that's me talking to the dictator machine in my phone <laughs> well I also like the fact Ben you're clearing that throat chakra as you're doing it it's allowing some of those blockages that have been sitting there out which is incredible and the last thing that we've we haven't really touched on we've talked about a lot of the energy centers we haven't talked about the the third eye and the crown and this third eye being intuition I think um you know in the same way that when you meet somebody you just go and go I yes you you're you're a good person I click with you that's your intuition going found somebody we've we found another gold coin over here you know we've you found a treasure so in the same way you can ask that you ask that intuition so was this friendship meant to last is this a lifelong friendship that i that i've messed up with you know is this the way it was meant to be and your intuition will undoubtedly go yeah this was what this was how it was meant to be this was this had run its course it's fine you've learned what you needed to learn it was yeah. a good thing that they didn't stick around or it's a good thing that the friendship ended mm-hmm. and it's okay. You know, you'll trust your intuition, have a word, have a word with guidance. Mm-hmm. With intuition. Yeah. It's oh, absolutely. Word. Absolutely. I, I often walk along chatting to whoever it is up there, whether it be my guides or infinite wisdom or God or whatever you want to call it. But I will often walk and have those little chats just go, you know, and sometimes when I'm, in that space where I don't even know what to ask, it'll be just show me the way. Just show me where I'm supposed to put my feet next. <laughs> yeah. Just send a little sign. And then what do you know? A little birdie will float past going, hello, and your sign. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Yeah. 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 And the other the other thing in terms of that um intuition is to remember to look for those signs. Because we often ask for signs and then we forget to look for them. So if we're asking for signs, it's always a good idea to sort of have one eye remembering that you've asked for a sign. Sometimes I ask for signs and I completely forget that I've asked until later and I'm like, damn, I didn't get my sign. I'm like, well, you didn't really look because it went through to the keeper after. But then something will happen and I'll be going, okay, like I did pay attention. I just didn't consciously know that it had all come past or whatever it is so yeah yeah, remembering to look for the signs that you're asking for is also really important (laughs) yes exactly yeah so it's been it's been really fascinating talking to you about friendship I just think that it's a really underplayed aspect of our really very important side of our emotional lives friendships and so you know I think if we if we just give the give the time and and the respect to our friendships and i think i don't know not every friendship with, will withstand this in terms of can't to quite tolerate but just letting your friends know how much they mean to you mm. is you know it actually makes you feel good as well as them I I went through quite a period last year, um, actually the last few years where I would just randomly send people messages of how much I appreciate them and love them and all the rest of it. And you know what, you don't always get something back, but that's kind of not why you're doing it. And I loved sending them. It made me feel absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, sending out, no, no, it's like a random act of kindness, but somebody that you really is not that random because you really love them and you mm-hmm. value them. And, yeah. and, and, and it's interesting because if someone would send you that message, you know, would you go, Oh, it's really lovely. And then you send back a little heart emoji or something to them. Or would you go, Oh God, that's a bit awkward. Like, so think about how you, not UK, but mm. like, this, like everybody, how you would react to mm. being sent a message like that, how it would make you feel. Because I think for most of us, we go, actually, that would be really nice if, if I got a text just saying, I really appreciate your friendship. 
Do you know, it's really interesting. Again, we've got to think about that receptivity aspect because if we're not open to receive it, it's the same way that we receive gifts. How many people are awkward receiving a gift or receiving a compliment? And the reason is that we're not in control. So when we are receiving, we are vulnerable. We are at the mercy of what they want to give, when they want to give it, how much they want to give, all of the things. They choose the timing. And that's why we all pride ourselves on being givers. Well, I'm a giver, I'm a giver, I'm a giver. But giver is control. You are choosing everything and you are in control of all of it. Whereas when we are receiving, we don't choose what, when, how, we choose none of it. We mm. just have to be, we are only in control of the actual receiving and how we receive it. So a lot of people who don't receive those messages well are often in that giver mode that I want to control. Oh, I can't receive that. And they're, they're blocked on that. And receiving is out the back of our chakras. So again, working on that, the reverse side of our chakras the ones that go down our back can often be ways to open ourselves to receiving especially the back of the heart chakra Mm. yeah that's really that's a really good point it's it's not always easy you know it's lovely to give a compliment it's not always easy to get them Mm. and i've had yeah it takes years of training to someone to just go thank you and smile or whatever if some of you do get a compliment now I lap it up. I go, oh, bring it on. Oh. Give me more. I need yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm guessing we should probably wrap it up because as we know, we could chat all day. <laughs> Thanks, Commander, so much. It's been brilliant. Thank you and so, thank so much. You. It, was, it was such an honour to be invited. And yeah, I, I love talking about all of this stuff and getting deep. And hopefully that's, you know, that's helped the person who's asked the question. It's crossed. <laughs> thank you. Lots of love. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.